Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 63 of A Yank on the Footy. I'm Craig Wessels from Sandusky, Ohio, and I'm glad that you're listening. In this episode, I sit down to talk with longtime Lions supporter and Sydney resident Tim O'Hare. We spend the segment talking about the Lions offseason while also discussing the issue of homesickness amongst professional athletes and looking at some of the variances and the differences between athletes that play footy and athletes who are involved in sports here in the United States. Now, before we dive into the uh, the discussion, the interview, I wanted to let you know that I have opened up my store page for the podcast. I've provided a link for that in the uh, show notes. It's through the company called Redbubble, and uh, I have three different designs that are up there right now. I have a few other ones that I have in the works that I'm looking at getting created. And one of the neat things about this, you know, is you can get you know a sticker for the back window of your car or for your computer screen or something of that nature. They offer all sorts of different things, things that I, let's be honest, I would never put on a, uh, on a product, things like shower curtains and bedspreads and things of that nature. But, um, but they have, you know, if you're really a fan of the show and you want to get a t-shirt or a sweatshirt or a hoodie or a sticker for your car, like I said, or for your computer, I'd love for you to, you know, support the show. And, uh, the funds for that are being used are going to be used for, uh, being put back into the podcast to help to pay for things like podcast hosting sites and things of that nature, hopefully updating some equipment sometime down the road as well, and just paying some of the fees that are associated with having a podcast. Because as of right now, I've done this simply as a, hey, I'm having fun with it, which by the way, I still am having fun with it. It's not something that I'm going, oh, I'm dreading doing this. That's not it at all. I love doing this. I'm having a blast. It's great to talk with new people. But one of the neat things about Redbubble, if you have missed the last couple of episodes, is the fact that they actually print their materials all over the world. So they don't have just a printing hub in the United States or in Europe or anything like that. They've got, I checked, they have one in Australia. I believe it's in Melbourne. And they print on demand in places all over the the world. I actually got my first uh, batch of stickers uh, that I had printed from the podcast. Uh, I had those sent to me. Those arrived a couple of days ago. I distributed a couple of them to the young lady that uh, created the initial designs for me. Uh, she's going to go back and make a revision on the one that was uh, dropped by Redbubble because the logo where I had my Twitter handle looked still a little too much like the AFL logo on the Sharon. So she's going to back the yellow and red oval off of there, and it'll have just the uh, the um, name of the Twitter account on there. So hopefully that will work. Uh, but, you know, it's... It's something that I've been working at trying to get done, and like I said, I'm, I'm hoping that some people will support. I'm not not demanding it or anything of that nature. I'm hoping you'll check it out, and and maybe you'll be interested in it. Maybe you won't. That's okay. You know, I, I know there are a lot of podcasts out there that, that you know, seek donations and that sort of thing and provide extra content through, uh, through other uh, avenues and such. I'm not at that point where I'm ready to do that. I mean, I'm not... I don't want this to sound as though I'm begging for money or anything of that nature because I'm not. But like I said, I'm helping. I'm hoping to help get, you know, defray some of the cost of, of doing this hobby. And if this is something that you enjoy, you know, this would be a way to to help out with that. But then it would also be a way to help promote the podcast as well if it's something that you like because you'd have that sticker on there and somebody might ask you about it. Okay. Now, as you know, I've got the one-year anniversary of the podcast coming up in just a few weeks. I believe today is the 4th of December as I'm recording this. 
yeah, it's the 4th of December. Uh, we had an interesting day here. I teach school. I actually got a phone call this morning at 5.30 that school was canceled because we didn't have enough healthy bus drivers to transport the students to school. So no school for me today. So I figured this would be a good time to get this episode taken care of. But as I was saying, the 29th is the uh, the first anniversary of the podcast. And my goal this year, as this started to move along, and I actually saw that people were going to check it out and were going to listen, my goal was that I was hoping to get to 10,000 downloads on the podcast by the 29th, which is in 25 days. And I'm at a point right now where I'm about 450 downloads of the podcast short of that. So... Hopefully, the next few episodes that come out, people will uh, give it a listen. Uh, I just got a, uh, a a little bit of information from Spotify, and I, I have a few listeners that are on Spotify, uh, but they they track, if you've got a Spotify account, they track like the top songs that you listen to during the course of the year, your favorite artists, that sort of thing. But then they also do something for podcasters where they track how many minutes of the podcast you produced, how many different countries people listened to the podcast on their platform. Now on Spotify, and I, I've got a link to this on my Twitter account as well as on uh, Facebook as well, so you can find it there. But on Spotify, I had people from six different countries listen. Now, in reality, I believe I have listeners from about 27 different countries around the world who have tuned into the podcast. Some of them have only been a single episode. You know, they might have seen the word footy and they were expecting me to be talking about uh, UEFA or FIFA or something of that nature. And they and they said, well, this isn't for me. But I've had a lot of countries where I've had hundreds of people that have tuned in to listen. Of course, the biggest two are, of course, the, uh, the you know Australia and the United States. But I've had a lot of listeners in the UK, a lot of listeners in Canada, quite a few in Singapore, quite a few in Ireland as well, as well as a whole bunch in France. And it's starting to grow more and more in other places. So it's been great to see that growth. You know, if you're liking the podcast, you know, I hope you'll actually, you know, post a link on your social media accounts. You know, let people know that you enjoy it. Maybe they'll check it out as well. You know, if you've got a friend who's a footy fan, have them give it a listen. Say, hey, really enjoy what this guy's doing here. He looks at things from a slightly different angle than what we're maybe accustomed to seeing. It might help grow the podcast a little bit, and I would truly appreciate it if you would do that sort of thing. That would be fantastic. Now, back to the thing with Spotify, and I, I really hadn't done the math on this, but it uh, it told me that uh, you know over the 62 episodes that had come out to this point, I had, I had basically published 44 hours of content, which is almost two full days of me doing a podcast during the last 11 plus months, almost 12 months. Now, that doesn't seem like a lot, but to me, it was I, I was really stunned because I hadn't really done the math in my head as to figuring out this is how much time I've spent doing this. But it's been been an absolute pleasure doing this. You know, I'm looking forward to going into year number two. I've been working on some new intro music. Uh, I'm not sure how well it's going to turn out, but I'm, I'm looking at uh, at updating the music that I have at the start and at the close of an episode, and we'll see what happens with that. Okay, I don't know where that's going to go. But uh, like I said, if you would share a link to the podcast, you know, maybe even back to episode number one, which is the one, you know, the beginning of the journey where I kind of describe how I fell in love with the game, or maybe one of the more recent episodes. Maybe, I, you know, we had a guest on that talked about your favorite club's uh, trade period. 
share that with your friends who have similar, you know, support for the club. They might appreciate hearing it. Now, last week, uh, it was, uh, it was an interesting week. It was the first time in almost two years that I had both of my children at home at the same time. You know, I have one, I have one child in college and one who's an officer in the military. They were both home at the same time, which was fantastic. I loved having them here. Uh, both of them are gone. My son's back at, uh, at work with the, with the military. My daughter is actually driving home right now as we speak. I talked to her a little while ago on the phone and she said, dad, I'm busy listening to a podcast. By the way, it was not mine. It's about Grey's Anatomy. Um, (laughs) so I don't think she's actually ever listened to my podcast, quite frankly. But during the week I was battling bronchitis and, you know, I did antibiotics for a week, and I'm, I'm better. I've got that all out of my system. I did a COVID test last Friday. That turned out to be negative. I didn't think that I had it, but since I had been around people who had tested positive, and, I, you know, we had a lot of people that had not been at my workplace due to, you know, contact tracing and that sort of thing, I just wanted to make sure, so... If you've not had a COVID test, the stick in the nose is not a lot of fun. Uh, I think I can still feel the bump on the back of my neck where the lady put the stick in there, but I'm glad to know that everything is uh, is okay, and I'm sure I'll end up getting tested again as we go forward. But while I was battling bronchitis, I did have an opportunity to uh, to sit down with, and I I think it sounded okay. It was a heck of a lot of fun to do this. And I, yet again, I'm still amazed that... Uh, that people are actually reaching out to me to talk to me about what my views are and things. But I got a, I got a note from uh, the gentleman that run the Lace Out podcast. Very fun podcast about footy. Uh, I talked to a gentleman by the name of Christopher Peppers. goes by Peps. We spent an hour talking about footy and talking about uh, you know the players that I would love to see live in person. And you know, I, I came up with some names of some players that I'd love to see live. But let's be honest. I live in the United States and I've never seen a game in person. I would love to see any AFL game live. That would be that would be fantastic. Hopefully that's going to happen. It's on my bucket list of things to happen sometime in the future. Um, but I, I will put a uh, link to that episode in the show notes from the Lace Out podcast. I, I strongly encourage you to check that one out, to subscribe to that one. And, you know, if you're not listening to that one, if you're not listening to the Where Do We Begin podcast with... Uh, with the three young men that run that one, they're doing a fantastic job, having a whole lot of fun doing that. It's 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 great to see young people who are wanting to, you know. Again, this is kind of in their wheelhouse as far as you know, social media and that type of thing. But it's great to see them expressing their views and doing such a fantastic job doing it. So I I strongly encourage you to check out both of those podcasts. I've linked to the. Uh, where do we begin podcast and other episodes, but you can find that one online as well. They're on Twitter as well. So ladies and gents, I hope you'll enjoy this, uh, this talk with, uh, with Tim O'Hare. So sit back and enjoy. All right, ladies and gentlemen, my next guest is my first lion supporter that's joining us during our trade period discussion. He's originally from Brisbane. He now resides in Sydney. So he's, uh, He's having to watch the Lions from afar. Hopefully he gets to make some journeys to, uh, to Queensland to go watch them on a regular basis. But I'd like to welcome Tim O'Hare to the podcast. Tim, thanks so much for taking time out of your morning and uh, stopping by. 
Thanks for having me, Craig. Uh, it's a pleasure. And um, I will say, just in regard to getting to see the Lions, uh, only actually gotten uh, to see them once this year uh, when they made a brief trip up to Sydney. Uh, they played Geelong, uh, which I missed, but uh, they played uh, the Greater Western Sydney Giants. And uh, yeah, that's the only game I've gotten to see live, um, partly because of the pandemic. Right, right. Now, how, how long have you lived in Sydney then? Um, since the start of 2019. So, okay, so, it's, so it's, only, it's been a short period of time then. So. Yeah, so okay. I, um, I mean, 2019, I made a couple of trips to Brisbane uh, to see family. And uh, I got to see the Lions' uh, first finals game uh, in 10 years. Uh, made the trip for that. Uh, but obviously, this year it's been harder with the border closures. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, looking at the uh, at what happened during the trade period here, you know, what are the uh, if I was to say what are the first words that come to mind? What's your what's your initial reaction to the trade period as a Lions supporter? I would say that it's a success. I would say, based on what I've heard. Uh, from the football manager, David Noble. They had a quite a singular uh, strategy really during the trade period, and that was to get in a bona fide tall forward. Uh, and they got that with Joe Danaher. So I would say they had really one goal, uh, and that's quite understandable for a team that finishes second on the ladder. Like, obviously they didn't, win the premiership but you don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater so you want to keep uh most of your players you want to keep your list together and you just want to look at a couple of weaknesses and the weakness uh that was quite plain uh to everyone uh supporters and outsiders uh, and outsiders alike uh was not having a tall forward so they fixed that and they got joe danaher in uh, and other than that, I would say it was a pretty quiet trade period. Well, you you did you did get uh, you, you guys did break my heart. Uh, I'll get into that in a minute because uh, you know my my favorite player, the player that you know initially drew me to become a cat supporter, is now going to be wearing the lion on the front of his Guernsey. Uh, so he kind of you know I I wish him the I wish him the best and I wish him well, but it's. Uh, it doesn't make it uh, any less uh, sad that he's not going to be there anymore. But are, what are your, your hopes and your expectations now that uh, Joe Danaher is going to be playing for the club? Do you think he'll be well, able to play 15 or 16 games? Yeah, that, that's a good question. If you look, uh, obviously Joe Danaher has had his uh, groin issues, which has – Uh, prevented him uh, from getting on the park a lot at Essendon. I think he played 16 games in three years. So on the surface, uh, I'd say this Joe Danaher trade is high risk, high reward. Uh, But if you look at the medical history uh, with the Lions going back a couple of years, uh, the Lions brought in Luke Hodge, uh, who was at the back end of his career and had a few injuries. And he managed to play most of the games. Uh, They also brought in Lincoln McCarthy, uh, who'd had 
an injury-plagued uh, couple of uh, seasons at the Cats. Oh, well, really, yeah. I think it was about six or seven seasons. And Lincoln McCarthy has barely missed a game. I think he's played all but three games. Right, And right. then uh, more recent... Oh, well, they had Marcus Adams. Uh, I suppose the jury's it's still out on that, but he has gotten on the park and he has impressed. And uh, Kalamar Chi is another one uh, <clears throat> who had some concerns at the Suns. And so the Lions, I would say... Uh, Trying to take my Lions supporter hat off for a second, I would say that they have one of the best medical teams in the country. And I think uh, they have a proven record, really, with uh, getting players on the park. Uh, The big test will be Joe Danaher. And, of course, you know, uh, it will be noticed if they can't get Joe Danaher on the park. But, yeah, I think I back them. Similar to with Nakaya Cockatoo, he's had his injury concerns as yes, well. Yes, he, he has. Yeah, he's. Uh, and I, I spoke with a cat supporter about an hour ago, and uh, he had a great line about uh, Nakaya Cockatoo. He ba- he basically said that during during his time in Geelong, he had basically uh, walked underneath a ladder with six black cats climbing up it. Uh, so it was, you know, he just simply was, you know, was somebody that had bad luck after bad luck after bad luck. You know, he got close to being healthy and something else happened. I mean, this year he was pushing to get, you know, get a game in Brown, the last two rounds of the season, and he broke his wrist. You know, his, his hamstring issues, his calf issues that he'd had all, you know, the issues with had been completely healthy during the season. Then he breaks his wrist uh, right before he's going to possibly get called up to play in uh, – with the, the AFL squad with them. That's curious with Nakaya Cockatoo because uh, you mentioned him being your favourite player. And to be honest, I haven't seen a lot of him. Uh, but I, I, I'm excited. I'm keen to see what he has to offer. I th- So would if I was to summarise your view, would you say he seems like a great athlete who's just had a run of bad luck? I would, ex- I would say exactly that, yes. He's... Uh... I, I think if he is healthy and he gets out there on the ground, I think that the Lions are absolutely going to scare the heck out of people with Charlie Cameron's speed and with Nakaya Cockatoo's combination of speed and power. He's an extraordinarily strong young man. And I, I just think the two, those two guys streaking down the grounds together are going to put the fear in some defensive coaches throughout the different, you know, different clubs in the comp. Well, that's, that's good. I mean, by all accounts, Nakaya Cockatoo uh, seems to be a very damaging player. My only concern would actually be just that, that is he too similar to Charlie Cameron? What I want to know with, Char- with Nakaya Cockatoo is we've already got a pretty good small forward uh, combination with Charlie Cameron. Lincoln McCarthy and uh, more recently uh, Kadean Coleman coming in. What I'd want to know is can Nakaya Cockatoo play other positions? Can he play wing? Can he play midfield? He can uh, play, could he, he play halfback? He can play midfield. He's he's about uh, he's at least fifteen. He's at least fifteen kilos heavier than Charlie Cameron. Okay, that's good. Yeah, he's he's a big guy. He's a hundred. Yeah, they have him listed as a 
186 centimeters and 90 kilos. So, yeah, he's okay. Char Charlie Cameron reminds me size wise, and I think it's just you know the comparison is there because they were both in Adelaide. Size wise, he reminds me an awful lot of Eddie Betts. Yeah, certainly. I think uh, Charlie Cameron seems to be uh, immovable, basically, as the small forward. Uh, he's just about the premier small forward in the competition. Uh, so I do think the Lions have a very good midfield, but I would be interested if uh, Nakaya Kokatu could contribute to that midfield. Uh, a couple of potential... Uh, red flags in the midfield I see with the Lions is uh, Mitch Robinson, uh, who's going to be uh, 32 next year, playing on the wing. Whether it's time uh, to move Mitch Robinson maybe to the forward line or somewhere where he doesn't have to run as much. Uh, mm -hmm. And also uh, the skipper, Dane Zorko, who's uh, sort of been rotating between the midfield and the forward line. Obviously, a uh, similar age to Mitch Robinson. I think, uh, you know, as the years tick on, Dane Zorka is going to spend more and more time in the forward line. And we're going to need a midfield. So I'm excited uh, if Nakaya Kokotu can be a full-time midfield. Oh, I, I think he can definitely do that. He, from what I have gathered, size-wise, he's very comparable to, and I'm not saying he's the same player at all, but I think he's very comparable size-wise to Patty Dangerfield. Well, that that's great, and I think that would uh, that would probably uh, have factored in with the Lions recruiters. I think uh, a clear weakness that's been addressed with the Lions recruiters. Uh, they we have we're kind of like the mosquito fleet uh, in the midfield with guys like Lockie Neal uh, and Dane Zorko. Uh, Lockie Neal and Dane Zorka are both about five foot nine, I believe. And so really quite short compared to like a six foot one Patrick Dangerfield. For instance. Right, right. Uh, or a six foot four Patrick Cripps. And mm -hmm. it seems like uh, games where the Lions have lost. Uh, so this year they lost uh, to Geelong on both occasions they played them. Uh, Geelong had a much bigger midfield. And uh, last year the Lions did very well, but they had a couple of disappointing games uh, against Fremantle and against Carlton. And if you look at the midfields there, uh, Nathan Fife and uh, in Fremantle and Patrick Cripps at Carlton, those guys are 6'3", 6 6'4". 6 those right, guys right. are 19 kilos. Those guys absolutely pulverised uh, the weak little Lions. So I think that's why they brought in Cam Ellis, the Ullman, last year. And I hope uh, Nakaya Cockatoo can kind of uh, yeah. address the balance. Yeah, he's, uh, he is very comparable in size to Ellis Yeoman. He's uh, actually, it looks like he's about four centimeters shorter and uh, a, few, a few kilos lighter. But I think, you'll, I think you'll be very happy with him if he's healthy. If he stays healthy, I think he's going to be a huge addition to the club. So. Can't wait. Yeah, he, he. Yeah, I can't. I can't either. You know, it's uh You know, I can't wait for the footy to get started. And I and I'm. You know, I'm looking for. I'm actually looking forward to the uh, the AFLW as well. Now, looking at the uh, the moves that your 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 club made. You know, you've got. Uh, you, know, you picked up Danaher. You you got Cockatoo. You you sent out. Uh, 
Stefan Martin and got uh, basically a, I think it's a, if the weight shakes out, I think it's a third round draft pick back from, from North Melbourne. Um, you know, not, not really any other players that came in, but there was a lot of pick swaps that got moved around where you, uh, where you added yourself a, a future first round pick by trading a couple of first round picks this year and a second round pick uh, in the future. You brought in some other ones there to help move up as you go along here. You know, you guys, your, your top pick in this draft is it's pick 25. And then you've got uh, two, four, six picks after pick 53. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to assume you probably don't think they're making all of those picks. Okay, well, uh, a couple of things. One thing I should say right off the bat is uh, I struggle to understand uh, the draft. And I think uh, most people, even list managers, uh, probably struggle. Uh, okay. All these uh, all these changes. So uh, I, shouldn't feel, I shouldn't feel too bad about it then that I'm still trying to figure out what the heck's going on with it. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing, though, is, and this has been widely reported, is this is a very compromised uh, draft. So one of the problems... Uh, well, one of the things about the draft, and I think it does draw uh, comparisons with a lot of US sports, uh, like uh, American football and the NBA. Uh-huh. Uh, my understanding is there's fewer concessions in American sports. Uh, the, the AFL draft has father-son selections. So if your dad played 100 games for a club, uh, that club can draft you. I, I, I believe uh, they can. I believe the rule is they can match uh, your pick. Right. Uh, so right. say, say for instance, uh, there's a. I've forgotten his name now, but there's a Collingwood great. He's got his son is coming up for draft this year. Hypothetically, uh, Adelaide, who got got the first round uh, draft pick, having. Um, won the wooden spoon, hypothetically, they could use their first round draft pick on this Collingwood player, uh, on this Collingwood player's son, and all Collingwood would have to do is match it with any pick in the first round, and they would get that player. So mm-hmm. that's the complication with the father-son picks. Uh, the other thing is there's, there's a thing called Next Generation Academy, which... Uh-huh. I'm trying to uh, get my head around that. But basically, Next Generation Academy, uh, it means a similar thing. If your player has come through that Next Generation Academy, then all the club has to do is match the pick with another pick in that round. Okay. Now, as an example, that has actually benefited the Lions historically. Uh, guys like Harris Andrews, Eric Hipwood, uh, more recently, Kadean Coleman. Uh, they're local boys who've come through the Lions Academy. And part of the reason they've got that Lions Academy is AFL isn't that big in Queensland. So they need these academies, similar to how they've got a, a Swans Academy here in Sydney. They need those academies in order to foster that local talent. Uh, and there is some argument that, you know, these clubs should have priority access to their local talents. Uh, but the issue is these academies have since been expanded 
I believe there's even a West Coast Eagles Academy or something uh, similar to that, which okay. basically is uh, is a bit of a joke because footy is massive over in WA. They don't need any help uh, attracting local talent. Uh, but there's also next-gen Indigenous uh, academies, and that's probably where the complication happens. Uh, there's a great player uh, by the name of Jamara Hagen, uh, who uh-huh. is predicted to be the first-round yeah. draft pick this year. Uh, so Adelaide, he would bank a great addition to Adelaide's list. I'm sure they'd love to draft him. But unfortunately, he's tied to the Western Bulldogs uh, because of the next-gen academy. Okay, so that, that, was not, that was not a father-son situation there. Okay, no, I, it's, it's a next-gen. I believe he's of indigenous descent, so that okay. plays in. Yeah, uh, that but, was, there's a, uh, a Bulldog supporter that lives here in the States that I, that I talked to a great deal, and he was talking about him, how they, they had to make moves to get picks in order to have enough uh, value in their picks to basically give up those picks to go take him at number one. Yeah. Uh, j- just uh, on a side note, I think the Western Bulldogs look scary next year, just how well they've done in this trade oh, I, period. I but, think I think so too, yes. I um, think so. Uh, so all, all I'll say, uh, just, just to uh, close out that point about this draft being compromised, I think it was a strategic retreat by the Lions, realizing just how compromised this draft is uh, whereas next year's draft is rated really highly, that the Lions traded out, you know, a first-round pick uh, this year or two first-round picks this year in order to get first-round pick next year. Right. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, so I, I think that's gonna bo- that'll bode well for them going into, uh, into next year. So you said you mentioned that you thought the Bulldogs had the best trade period overall. Um, you know, yeah, just things, about. Yeah, I, I, I think I agree with you there because they, you know, they brought in quite a bit. They didn't give up a whole as much as uh, other clubs did, and you know, they, they hung on to Josh Dunkley, which is something I think they really wanted to ultimately do. But you know, yeah, I, with um, go ahead with player movement. I think that was a really nice buck of the trend because I think. There are criticisms that players have too much power. Players get to go wherever they want. Uh, so the fact that uh, the Bulldogs held firm and held him to the contract, uh, which is not something you see a lot, I think uh, I think that should be commended. Sorry. No, that's great. I think I agree with you. That's you know we I've talked about that with a couple of people about the you know the homesickness aspect of this, and it kind of gets back to the the homegrown talent. You know that that. In many cases, it puts it puts GWS and uh, to a lesser extent Sydney, although that looks like that's getting rectified. But Brisbane and Gold Coast, and even even you know the the Crows and the Power, kind of puts them behind the eight ball a little bit because so much footy talent is coming out of Victoria, and if those young folks that are coming out of Victoria end up you know playing for Gold Coast or for Brisbane or whatever the case may be they may want to make that trek back to Victoria after the, the first, you know, couple of years of that initial contract so they can get back closer to home. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That, that definitely uh, is a variable. And it's quite curious, really, because you look at a lot of, uh, like, I must admit, I don't follow American support, uh, sports enough, but 
Uh, I'm curious whether there's a comparable go-home factor, but if you look at uh, a lot of international sports like soccer, it is very uh, common in soccer that you've got to be prepared to go anywhere. And like soccer players, I don't feel like they have that same go-home tendency because really it's it's part of their culture. It's part of their expectation that if you want to pursue a professional soccer career, you've got to be able to go anywhere and play anywhere. Whereas I think potentially uh, Australian footballers are a bit spoilt. And the fact that there's 10 teams in Victoria means a lot of Victorian uh, players resent having to move out of Victoria because they think, well, there's 10 teams I could play for here. Yeah, that's, that's kind of what I was thinking is, you know, you, you see a lot, of, a lot of players that want to, to, you know, to leave, you know, the, the clubs that are away from Victoria in order to get back home. You know, you, you, you saw that, you know, Tom Lynch just did that and that the, the league has actually had to do things to help give the Suns, you know, special dispensation that basically helped keep their club afloat because there had been such a, you know, a significant amount of jettisoning of players that, they, that the players were wanting to leave. It wasn't necessarily that the club wanted to get rid of them. It's the players deciding, you know, I've done my time. I'm ready to head back to my home state. And that may not have even been Victoria. Maybe they went back to West Australia. Maybe they went back to, to South Australia. Yeah, certainly. I, I think that that is a major challenge. Uh, mind you, it does... Well... In in some ways, uh, there's positives. Uh, it looks like maybe we're overcoming that hurdle. Uh, the big one last year was uh, Stephen Canelio. Uh, I believe he rejected offers from Carlton, and I think Hawthorne might have even been in the mix okay. uh, to basically sign with the Giants for life. I think that would have. He's now the captain. I think that would have voted very poorly for the future of the Giants. Right. If Stephen Canelio had left. Uh, mind you, uh, and you might be excited about this, but Jeremy Cameron now going to the Cats, that sort of does uh, throw a bit of a question mark on the future of the Giants. So I would say uh, it's very real, that whole go-home fear. Yeah, it's, it is. And, I, and, I, and you know, the, the thing that I've thought about with regarding this is that the players are so much younger because you have guys who are getting drafted at age of 18 and 19 who are, you know, leaving home and, you know, in some cases moving to the other side of the country or moving out of state. And there is going to be homesickness there. You know, whether, whether it's, you know, footy related or if it's simply family related. That's interesting because my understanding uh, with U.S. sports is – Typically, there's a strong college football tradition, for instance, a, yes. a college basketball tradition. So it's the common pathway is uh, you get, like, if you're a good player, you'll get a scholarship. Then you'll mm-hmm. study for three, four years. And then after you finish your degree, you'll then start playing professionally. Is that how it works? In, in, in theory, yes. But uh, in a lot of situations, you know, the better players who might become first round draft picks in the NBA, in uh, the NFL, even in major league baseball, because college baseball is, is huge. So is college hockey. If there, if there's somebody who's going to be, you know, have the opportunity of being a, a first round draft pick, they may give up their last 
season or two of college and then go pro at that point in time. So they might be turning pro at the age of 20 or 21 as opposed to 22 or 23. Okay. And, and I mean, I, I can respect that because, you know, uh, people, men develop at different rates and th there are certainly players who uh, age, you know, 20 have the body of a 28 year old and right, uh, are right. ready to play. Uh, I suppose um, that's probably, we had the parallel to that actually a few years ago. I think you could actually get drafted in the AFL at 16, 17. So you wow. had guys dropping out of school uh, to, to go get drafted. Uh, so I think uh, the AFL have made uh, strides to rectify that. And now age of 18, 19, uh, for most draftees, it's it sort of, uh, it means that they get that basic school education normally. Uh, but yeah, I, I would say that uh, college sports is nowhere near as big a thing in Australia. I think, uh, I can only think of one player. Um, he's a former player, Ben Hudson. Uh, okay. He went to my alma mater, University of Queensland, and uh, he was playing uh, Aussie rules there. And then as a physiotherapy student, and then he wound up getting drafted. Okay. Uh, he, he played for a range of clubs, but I, I don't know if he actually got drafted by the Lions originally, but he did. He is now uh, the assistant coach at the Lions, but he okay. had uh, basically, uh, yeah, he was a mature age convert to the AFL, very much the exception to the rule. Generally, you're right, generally they're 18, 19, and uh, college sports here are really just amateur and they don't often lead to a pathway into uh, professional sport. Okay. Well, that, that's, yeah, I, I thought that might be the case, but I had not seen anything definitive about that. Now, are, are you uh, at this point in time going into the draft and uh, are you satisfied with where the list is for the Lions at this point in time? Yeah, well, as I said, having uh, come second and in the home and away season, right, uh, right. You've, you've got to be doing a lot right to get there. So I do think uh, there's a lot of positives with the Lions. I think uh, I'm also uh, very cautious about making too many major list changes like, say, Collingwood has done uh, because <laughs> I think even if you might get better players in on paper, uh, no, though Collingwood haven't, I think there is a huge part of keeping uh, keeping players together as much as possible and keeping like this core social group uh, together, which I would say is probably even more important uh, at the Lions with so many players not coming from Queensland. It's important to sort of draft players together and keep them together and uh, keep them together wherever possible so that you've got this really good group of guys that enjoy playing together and have yeah. that chemistry. Now, uh, I... Actually... Oh, oh sorry. Ahead. No, go ahead. Uh, on that, actually, uh, probably the most heartbreaking part uh, of the Lions trade period for me was uh, the decision to trade Alex Witherden uh, to West Coast. Uh -huh. uh, Alex Witherden, uh, promising uh, young defender. He came third in the uh, 
Rising Star Award in 2018. Uh, my understanding is he's well-liked by the group. Uh, he lives with another, uh, well, up until recently, he lived with a, uh, another young lion, Cameron Rayner, uh, okay. Alex Witherden, very popular amongst the group. Uh, this year, uh, he fell out of favour and got dropped after, you know, playing a lot of games in his first couple of years uh, in the AFL. Uh, he got dropped, only managed six games this year, which wasn't all that bad. But, uh, yeah, uh, seeing him leave, uh, even though I'm not sure if he would be in our best 22, seeing him leave is a real concern because even if he wasn't on the park, I think he was revered by a lot of the players. And I think uh, the Lions, uh, I, I think they liked coming to work more with Alec Witherden uh, being there. And the concern would be, and maybe this seems a bit apocalyptic, but the concern would be without Alex Witherden, one of the core members of the young group, uh, who was drafted alongside Hugh McCluggage and Jared Berry uh, okay. from a similar area in uh, regional Victoria. The concern would be, uh, do those guys consider their future at the Lions? Does Cameron Rayner consider? I mean, maybe it, it's not going to happen this year, but maybe in a couple of years' time when they're coming to their new contract, they're no longer so willing to sign because they've lost their great mate, uh, Alex Witherden. Well, that that leads me to you know what was going to be my last question, and it kind of it kind of throws a bit of a uh, a monkey wrench, if you will, into the last question because I was going to ask you, uh, do you do you look at the Lions, you know, because when I look at the the different clubs, and you know, I've I've watched the the coaches be interviewed and and speak and give their views on things, and it just seems like the the relationship between the players and uh, Chris Fagan is, is unlike just about any other club in the competition. And I was going to ask you, do you see the lions becoming kind of a destination club for players simply because they've got, you know, a terrific coach who is, is quite frankly to me, I think he's very, a very personable coach and somebody who would be a player's coach. Yeah. Well, uh, the short answer to your question is, I think that's already happened. Uh, to some extent, uh, when uh, Luke Hodge made the decision uh, to come good out point, of retirement and go to the Lions, uh, Charlie Cameron, uh, it beggared belief to me that Charlie Cameron would come at that stage because it looked like Adelaide were right in the premiership window. I know a lot can change in a couple of years and Adelaide have gone down the toilet, but I mean... Uh, a couple of years ago when Charlie Cameron came, Adelaide had just been the minor premier, the runner-up in the grand final. So right. uh, I think uh, he even said Chris Fagan was a big part of uh, him coming. Uh, Charlie Cameron's also uh, from Queensland, so that okay. helps. But uh, Lockie Neal uh, coming, uh, that was absolutely staggering that a player originally from South Australia who uh, had been drafted to Fremantle and mm -hmm. could probably have gone to any club in the country. Uh, the fact that Lockie Neal chose Brisbane, where he had no family, uh, I think that was huge. Uh, and now, of course, Joe Danaher. So I do think, uh, in short, we've become a destination club. But I do think there's sort of an interesting... Uh, I think we've done the basics really well. I think uh, 
We've played the kids early on, and uh-huh. I think that has really benefited the Lions. And as I said, we've got that really vibrant youth culture, which is good. Uh, but I think uh, really the premiership teams like Hawthorne, they're ruthless. And that's what kind of scares me is you've got to have that ruthlessness. You've got to do it in a really calculated way. And as I said, I am worried when uh, guys like Alex Witherden are traded. Uh, I'm, I'm worried, you know, obviously the club is seeing this as part of their plan to get better. Uh, and, you know, I, I back them in doing so. But you've got to think, well, you've got to do this really carefully because even though you might want to win that premiership, you still want to keep guys coming along at and enjoying the place. And sometime, I think there's a very fine line between a successful club uh, and a club that players don't want to be at. Uh, we see that at Adelaide. I think Adelaide, they push themselves and they push themselves and they push themselves and then uh, they almost got there and then they, they lose the grand final and suddenly it just starts unraveling. That's a good and point. I think... Uh, more recently, and this is still pretty contemporary, but I think we're seeing this at GWS. And who knows? We, I'm sorry to say, we, we could see this at uh, Geelong this year's runners-up. So the Lions have to be really cautious that not only are we pursuing success, but we want to keep that environment where players love to be there, players enjoy themselves, uh, and players want to get better together and stay at the club. We can't I don't think we can turn into a Hawthorne because I don't think we'll ever be that kind of comparable to a big Victorian club. We're okay. always going to have interstate talent, so we've got to keep uh, we've got to keep it fun there, essentially. Yeah, that that makes sense because you you it has to be an attractive place for people to be. You know, because like you said, it's you know Queensland is not a significant footy area although i think this season had to had to have helped that a little bit just simply the fact that there were so many footy games played in queensland this year yeah for sure i think uh queensland sort of in my mind reminds me a bit of like the u.s south and that queensland queenslanders are very autonomous they hate centralized authority they are sort of they want their independence and i think uh queensland will be the hardest place for afl to really catch on because i think there's so much regional area it's such a big state that even though afl does really well in brisbane i think it struggles within the sort of uh more regional parts uh where rugby league is heavy and where they don't pay too much attention with what's going on in Melbourne or Adelaide or Perth. So they do have, that's an uphill climb for them then. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll tell you what, you know, I, I think we covered a, a great deal here. I love getting your input. Um, you know, anything else you, uh, you want to toss out there before we wrap this up? Any other, any other thoughts on the Lions or any other uh, parts of the competition you want to mention? Um, I suppose uh, two brief points. One, uh, 
I don't know what to expect uh, from this draft. And I don't know, uh, you know, I don't have that high expectations because we don't have that great picks. But the Lions have always been able to do something uh, in recent years. Uh, Devin Robertson uh, has been compared to Scott Pendlebury. Uh, he hasn't played a lot of footy yet, but Devin Robertson was taken uh, with the first pick of the second round last year. So I think uh, the Lions, even though, you know, that's probably a best case scenario is they can grab that really like underrated talent uh, because their first pick, I don't think, comes in until pick 25. Yeah, uh, 25 and then 53, yep. Uh, there's also Blake, Blake Coleman is probably the only player on the Lions radar that I'm really aware of. And Blake Coleman is the younger brother of Kadayan Coleman. Okay. Uh, so getting him, I think, would be great. Uh, Kadayan Coleman, very similar to Charlie Cameron. So I'm hoping Blake Coleman has a few other uh, strings to his bow. But uh, I think uh, getting Blake Coleman would reinforce that whole idea I'm talking about of the fun kind of family kind of club. Uh, you know, we've got the Berry brothers. Right, right. Uh, if we get the Coleman brothers, uh, who knows? Maybe we trade for Charlie Cameron's brother, uh, Jared Cameron, down the track. We get a whole team of brothers. That would be great. Uh, That'd be and fantastic, just yeah. finally, I, I just wanted to say on um, the two players we let go, I already uh, talked about Alex Withered, and uh, is sorry to see him go. I was also sorry to see uh, Stefan Martin go. Uh, I think. Stefan Martin has been the Lions' ruck uh, for a number of years now. And right. uh, Oscar McInerney had a great season. Uh, but whether Oscar McInerney is ready to be the number one ruck all the time, he stepped in very well for Stefan Martin this year. I suppose that's a concern. But I can understand, though, on Stefan's perspective, when you get to 34, you're just on one-year contracts. And if... Out of nowhere, a club offers you a two-year deal, which the Western Bulldogs do. You take it for your security. And I do actually think, uh, even though Stefan Martin, like, he played every game he could. He missed a couple, He missed a lot through injury, but he never right, got dropped right. this year. But I do think, potentially, if he had stayed at the Lions, he may have got dropped from the senior side. The reason being is... They've added Joe Danaher to the side. Uh, and then they've got Hipwood, McStay, and Oscar McInerney, uh, three talls. Mm -hmm. uh, you can't really play any more than three. So the likely, I think, solution would have been moving Oscar McInerney to the ruck. Uh, and Joe Danaher actually can play. Um, he can back up ruck. He's not a specialist ruck but he can back up in that role so okay. I think the idea for the ruck combination that the Lions have would be Oscar McInerney number one, Joe Danaher number two uh, and so I think because Stefan Martin's weakness seems to be his playing forward I think it would have been questionable whether he would get included in the side that already has these four uh, really tall guys so I think uh, I think it was the right move for Stefan Martin, but as I said, I'm sorry to see him go, and I think he's a big mentor figure for the team. He's also an experienced figure that I would love to have on the list just in case there were injuries to any exactly. of those uh, exactly. big guys. Yep. No one, I don't think at 34 you want to be uh, 
the understudy. I think at 34, your last couple of years, you want to be playing senior footy week in, week out. So I fully understand why he'd leave the Lions. Yeah, makes complete sense. Okay, well, thanks so very much for coming on. Uh, ladies and gents, I want to thank uh, Sydney resident and longtime uh, Lions fan uh, Tim O'Hare for joining me and talking some Lions footy today and looking at the trade period. And, Tim, I, I appreciate you coming on, sir. This was a lot of fun. Thank you. You know, I, uh, I really enjoyed getting your insight because, you know, I haven't talked to a lot of Lions supporters, and I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to do that. No worries, Craig. Uh, it's a pleasure. Send me a link to the podcast. I'm I, really keen to check it I out. Abs- I absolutely will. You bet. Thanks so very much. Thank you. You bet. Bye-bye. Ladies and gentlemen, don't forget that if you'd like to sign up on the mailing list so that you get each new episode delivered to you first, there's a link to a short form in the show notes. I believe I'm up to about 30 people who are on the mailing list and uh, would love to send that episode out to you. I'm not bombarding you with all sorts of other email or that sort of thing. I've, I've not sent, I think I might have sent out with one email that, hey, the the store page is open, but I'm not bombarding that in every episode or that sort of thing either. I'm not hitting people up for money. I'm not, uh, you know, giving them my views on politics or anything of that nature. I'm simply saying, here's the new episode. Check it out. Thanks for listening. Okay. Now. If, like I said, if you'd like to sign up on that list, the link is in there. There's like three or four questions, okay? Now, also, if you've got an idea for a show topic or someone that you think would be a great guest, and maybe it's you, please feel free to drop me a DM on Twitter or shoot me an email at yankofthefooty at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. I mean, we are still several weeks away from the start of the AFLW season, which I don't know about you, but I'm extraordinarily excited about. Looking forward to seeing you know the 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 women's league get an entire season, get an opportunity to to have a premiership, and hopefully not get cut short. Okay, um, remember that you can find all of the old episodes of the podcast at a yank on the footy at podbean You can find it on Apple Podcast. You can find it on Spotify, as I mentioned. It's on pretty much every podcast hosting site out there. Okay, if you've got it, if you're signed up on Google, you're signed up on Apple, or you're on Spotify. It will also migrate to a number of other places as well. Alrighty. You can also find every episode on my YouTube channel. Just search for my name, Craig Wessels. And now that you've listened, I would love it if you would uh, give me a review on Apple Podcasts. It takes just a few minutes. You know, it lets me know what I need to work on. You know, I would love you know, an email. Hey, if you've got an idea, if there's something that I could do better or something that I missed, I would love an email from you or a note on Twitter saying, hey, uh, maybe take a look at this issue from this vantage point or you, you missed on this or you were spot on on that. I'd love to hear from you, okay? But, you know, if you want to give me a review, if I've earned that five-star review, I'd love to get one on Apple, okay? Like I said, it takes just a few minutes. You know, tell me what I'm doing well. Let's other people know about the podcast. Let's them know, hey, this one's not so bad. Maybe I'll check it out as well. And don't forget that you can also reach me, like I said before, at a yank on the footy at gmail.com as well as on Twitter at yank underscore on. And I'm also on Facebook and Instagram at a yank on the footy. And as I'd mentioned, you can find the podcast on YouTube by searching out my name, Craig Wessels. All 62 episodes in this one, number 63, will be there as well. I want to thank Joseph McDade for the use of two of his great pieces of music. Mr. McDade has created some fantastic music, and I'm using the pieces Elevation and Backplate. 
You can find his work at josephmcdade.com backslash music. You can also find him on Spotify. Mr. McDade, thanks again for your hard work and your wonderful tunes. And again, if you haven't done so and you want to sign up for the mailing list, it's there in the uh, show notes. You can go ahead and do that. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank you for listening. Because deep down, we're fans of, of our teams. But deep down, we're fans of a game that we all love, and that's the game of footy. And again, I thank you so very much for listening. And I ask you to share the podcast with your friends and family. And ladies and gentlemen, may your dribble kick never hit the post. I'll catch you later. This has been episode number 63 of Yank on the Footy, my talk with Tim O'Hare, a big-time Lions supporter. Don't forget that you can reach me at yank underscore on or at yankonthefooty at gmail.com. And you can also find me on Instagram and on Facebook at yankonthefooty. And ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. And please, please share the podcast with your friends and family on your social media. And until next time, ladies and gentlemen, goodbye.